Welcome to Hacker Public Radio. The following presentation is a syndication of the QSK podcast used with kind permission of Russ Woodman. We are using this episode today because we do not have enough shows of our own. Please consider recording a show today. Email admin at hackerpublicradio.org for more information. How will free change the world? Come find out at the Ohio Linux Fest 2010, Saturday, September 11th and Sunday, September 12th, including a special early bird and medical tracks on Friday the 10th. And of course, the ever-popular OLFU is back. Attend as a supporter for a special collector's Ohio Linux Fest hemp t-shirt and catered lunch, or as a professional for the shirt, lunch, and OLFU courses, or simply attend as an enthusiast for free. Whether you're new to free software or a long-time pro, register now at ohiolinux.org. This podcast is a proud member of the Fusion Podcast Network. Find us at fusionpodcastnetwork.com. Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Thank you once again for stopping by the QSK netcast and taking a listen to what I have to offer. Thankfully, I'm not going to have to talk entirely by myself this episode. We have the current world record holder for the most podcasts attended in a one-year period, not Klaatu from the IRC. Thank you very much for stopping by. Thank you for having me. Not a problem. I know this is an issue you and I have discussed in the IRC chat several times. I know I said that when I set this up, there's going to be a point-counterpoint kind of thing, but my intent here is not to try and convert you or to convert anyone else or anything like that, but sort of just to get the information out there. The particular topic we're speaking of tonight is the war that involves software patents and particularly about podcasting in general, where some podcasts will release in a variety of different formats and some Ogcasts like Klaatu's only come out in open source formats like Og or Speaks or something else. And so the the basic title of this QSK netcast is MP3 V Og. 
to put it in a kind of legal light. Before I start talking about all the notes that I've taken here, <laughs> um, let me go ahead and get your impression of the battle itself and why you only release your podcasts, and I guess I'll call it an oddcast, uh, in you know non-proprietary formats or patent patent-free formats. We'll go with for for this topic of discussion. One of the big reasons that I release only in AUG is because I really want to promote that as a format. And I don't think that AUG is going to become a viable format if no one uses it. So I like to use it. Um, and the other reason I do it is because I've just had, you know, I mean, I, I'm a um, multimedia artist or whatever, so I've gone through way too many day-long headaches over different codecs that other format the other other proprietary systems don't want to deal with you know or you have some problem and I, I just I want there to be open format and since mp3 and the mpeg in general isn't going in that direction at all I like to support the ones that that are going in that direction or are, are already there that is you know a well-made point and I understand perfectly there's certainly something to be said for that but the implication therein is that AUG is an unused format, and I'm not sure that's necessarily the case. I see it out there in many different forms, and when I listen to podcasts, particularly those dealing with open source, which kind of makes sense, they talk about AUG Vorbis, and they talk about, especially lately, AUG Fiora, which is the video codec that uh, uses the AUG container quite a bit. So it's not like it's unheard of at this point. Um, right. But you think it still needs promotion, you know, beyond a, a small level, I take it. Yeah, I think that the more people adopting it, the more viable a format it is. The only reason MP3 is so popular is because it is ubiquitous. Well, that's true. It is a rather ubiquitous format. And uh, what what is your impression of MP3 as a format, and what do you know of the patent issues that surround it? Uh, my impression is that it's really, it's it's fine, it's great. I mean, I don't have a problem with MP3. I mean, I do notice sometimes the compression is a little bit drastic, but I mean, that's not the, I don't think that's the codec's fault. I think that's the compressor's fault. So um, what do I know about the patent issues? I'm not a lawyer. I don't understand this stuff. I do know that Technically speaking, if you're going to make money off of it, I think you are supposed to pay a license. And that's about all I really know for sure, I think. Okay, that's fair. And I think when it comes to legalese, it's pretty safe bet to say that almost nobody knows anything about the issues unless you are, in fact, a lawyer. And a patent lawyer at that. I mean, you have to be very specialized, I think, to understand this stuff. Very true. So let me go ahead and run down what I have come across as far as software patents in general, and then we'll get into the meat of the matter as regards AUG v. MP3. Okay. From what I understand um, in doing some quick research before the podcast, software patents are only valid in countries where patenting of software is enforceable, and those countries are not that many, as it turns out. The unfortunate thing is that the United States happens to be one of those countries. Uh, other major players in the software patents are Japan, China, and India, all of which have had lawsuits which prove that patents on software can be enforced. 
there are software patents in places like the European Union and the United Kingdom. However, because of the way the laws on patents are written and because of the way the jurisdiction has come down on some of the legislation on software patents, they have pretty much proven that software patents in those places are unenforceable. Therefore, even though patents exist, they're really irrelevant. And of course, everywhere else, patent issues are not issues. They simply just aren't patents. Um, I mean, there are patents, just not on software. As far as software patents are concerned, MP3 is a patent encumbered format. Now, the reason it's patent encumbered is because it was developed um, quite a while ago, back in 1991 originally. It was released as a specification in 1993. It was developed by a group called the Moving Picture Experts Group, which is what MPEG stands for, MPEG. And MP3 specifically refers to MPEG-1 Audio Layer 3 or MPEG-2 Audio Layer 3. And uh, some of the people involved in developing MPEG and MPEG-2 Audio Layer 3 are folks from the Fraunhofer Society, the University of Hanover in Germany, AT&T Bell Labs, which should send up red flags to anybody at this point, uh, Thomas Brandt, the CCETT, and others. And right now, there are only two entities who are claiming patent on MP3. And by, by claiming patent, I mean that they are two entities who are requesting payment, royalties, for use of the patents. And uh, those two entities are the Fraunhofer Society and Thomson Multimedia. If you go to, uh, there's a website out there called mp3licensing.com, and they talk about all of the royalties that are associated with encoding in the MP3 format, and they list all of the patents that they claim on the MP3s. And I'm going to take a quick look at the list of patents here, and they are extensive. <laughs> I'm not sure exactly how many patents there are here, um, but if you look at the list, it's a long one. Yeah. Now, there's some interesting things about the way that these patents work, specifically about MP3. Um, one of the ways they work is that as far as a free and open source product decoding patent or decoding content in MP3, there is no royalty associated with that. And I was curious if you were aware of that. Um, I assumed that that's the case because you can encode two MP3 using a lot of different software, so uh, I, I'm not surprised to hear that. Well, depending on the software that you encode MP3 in, the royalties may or may not have been paid to Thompson or Fraunhofer, uh, depending on whether those pieces of software abide by the patent law. I was going to say, like, lame. Although lame, I guess, is an MP3 encoder, so that doesn't count. <laughs> well, I think there may be some debate about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and I didn't bring up lame because that was a can of worms I didn't really want to get into on a short cast like this one. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's not a problem. Uh, but you brought it up, so great. But here's the interesting thing. If you, if you look at mp3licensing.com, and I'm going to have this link in the show notes, but there's a link, and, and it talks about what you and I do, which is you know network broadcasting, basically. It also involves streaming audio, regular music distribution, CDs, DVDs, things like that, and traditional broadcasting, on-air, on-demand, so on and so forth. 
And down at the bottom, there is some legalese that says, no license is needed for private, non-commercial activities, not generating revenue or other consideration of any kind, or for entities with associated annual gross revenue less than $100,000 U.S. Now, the way I read that, and I admit that my legalese is not that good, is that unless you make more than $100,000 doing something that involves a commercial transaction involving MPEG-1 and MPEG-2 Audio Layer 3, or you generate revenue in some other way that uses MPEG, you are not required to pay royalties for doing that. So a free podcast like this one, or yours, is not required to pay royalties on the patentable MP3 format. Very nice. And I still won't use it. And my, and as I said originally, my my point is not to get you to use it. <laughs> <laughs> I have I have no problem with taking a moral stand about an issue that you believe in. I just yeah, that's want to. Exactly m- what it down to. Right. I just want to make it clear to people who use MP3 or who release a podcast in MP3 that unless they're doing it commercially for profit. You don't have to worry about the patent. You know, you don't have to worry about patent infringement. It doesn't apply. Let me let me ask you a really far out question that I I almost don't even want to ask, but I think it's worth posing. What if, for some reason, I started releasing an MP3 and then I got really really famous and I start I turned this around and turned it into a million dollar business? Then I'd have to start paying patents. Is that is that how it works? My understanding is that the revenue is directly directly related to your release of uh, information encoded as MP3, then yes, you would be required to pay the broadcast licensing royalty associated with the patents. Okay. Now, as I said, I'm not a lawyer. My legalese is, you know, bad to horrible at best, and, and that's just the way I read it. Okay. But it's it's pretty clear to me that if you're doing it for free, if you're doing anything for free and use MP3, um, you don't have to worry about it. Um, and one of the yeah. things they specifically reference in here is making is ripping DVDs. If you rip your DVDs to MP3, that is perfectly acceptable. Wow. Yep, it's pretty neat, huh? That is really cool. That's very interesting. I will read that little bit just so people can make their own determination of that. But let's see, where did I see that exactly? It was in the thing I read before. I skipped over the little parenthetical bit, which says, No license is needed for private, non-commercial activities, for example, home entertainment, receiving broadcasts, and creating a personal music library that is okay. considered royalty-free. So, and that's that, cool. Yeah, and that's that's on Fraun, uh, Fraunhofer's and Thompson's own website, mp3licensing.com. They're the ones who put this page out. So if you have an issue with that, uh, I suggest you point them to their own literature. (laughs) (laughs) So like I said, I I mean, I have no intention of trying to convert you to using an mp3 format, and I myself, even though I could, with a reasonable expectation of guilt freedom, I could release this podcast using mp3 since I'm not getting money for it, I'm not doing it commercially, and understand that I could use that codec royalty-free. However, I feel the same obligation that you do to try and release in the AUG format, or the AUG Vorbis audio format specifically, 
in order to promote the open source way of doing things? Well, I think especially for your intended audience, and, and certainly for my little audience, I think a lot of people actually are fine with the AUG format because you can just, I mean, like, literally, I'll have a system sometimes that I've installed GNU Linux onto, and by default, it will play AUG, and it will not play MP3. So it's just kind of almost, I think my audience is fine with that, really. Yeah, I think what you brought up originally is the real problem with the AUG Vorbis audio format, and that's that it has a lack of ubiquity. The problem is, you know, the MP3 format was perfected sometime in 1992. Uh, it's not that there isn't development, there still is, but the original concept and the original outlay of MP3 happened in, back in 1992. It was standardized in 1993, and it gained a very deep foothold. So now lots of companies use it. It's a well-known format. It's out there everywhere. And the royalties, while, you know, I think any royalty is kind of ridiculous when it comes to this kind of thing, they're not terribly steep for somebody who's putting out a game or creating software or something like that. Somebody who has some decent revenue paying the MP3 royalties is not going to break them. So they probably are not balking too bad at it. The problem seems to me that when you have a, a format like Og Vorbis, which you can release side by side with it, or create your devices are royalty and patent free to play these formats also, why don't they? I, I'm not I'm not sure I understand why, you know, it's sort of left by the wayside when it doesn't cost a thing. I imagine it's just because they don't know or they don't think about it. There's not a big demand for, for Aug Vorbis yet, and so it's just that they don't consider doing that. I mean, no one would have done it before. I mean, like, MP3 is not a format that Apple uses now. They, I mean, they support it, but, I mean, they released in an MPEG-4 audio format. And I don't know that a lot of players were playing MPEG-4 until they started doing that. You know, it's just what people expect to, to have their players play. Well, that's true. And if you're talking about, uh, are you talking about AAC or H.264? No, it's the AAC one that they use. Right, yeah. See, the AAC format, and uh, see, Microsoft did the same thing that Apple did. They both wanted to avoid the problems, if you will, with MP3. So Apple went ahead and developed AAC, which is a patent-free format that they could use, and Microsoft developed WMV, or WMA. Um, again, a royalty and patent-free codec that they could use so they could avoid problems with MP3. Now, those get into other problems with DRM, which we're definitely not going to touch on here. Um, right. <laughs> but um, they, they are patent-free. Again, H.264, which is another uh, compression audio compression technique, is patent encumbered and another thing we're not going to talk about. But I would like to get out a little information about the AUG format a little bit. The AUG format was started by Chris Montgomery back in 1994, not actually all that long after MP3 came out, probably because of MP3. He probably said, well, look at all these patents surrounding MP3. I'm going to come out with something that is, you know, patent-free. 
So he got together uh, the company originally Ziphophorus, and which has now mogrified into Ziph.org, which does a lot of stuff involving the Og container format and Vorbis and Theora and a lot of other things which can be encapsulated inside of Og, including stuff like Speaks, which is a uh, highly compressible speech codec. Um, they also do FLAC. A lot of people, I think, are becoming familiar with the FLAC format because it's an AUG container, but it's a lossless format, which means uh, it has the uh, full dynamic range. Of course, it means larger files, but you have much better audio quality. And then, of course, there's AUG PCM out there as well, which is the equivalent of a WAV file, but it's encapsulated inside of AUG instead of uh, the WAV container. And interestingly, one of the things I found out about PCM or the WAVE format is that it was originally created in 1937. <laughs> oh, wow. Yeah. Totally predates computers and, and all that stuff, but it, it's basically the standard audio format that most computers use. Um, it's called pulse code mo modulation. It's what all like audio, D all audio CDs are encoded in. Uh, yeah. You know, standard WAVE playback standard linear audio playback on your computers and everything all done in pulse code modulation forms the basis for wave and now can be encapsulated in aug so that's pretty cool that is cool it's amazing what you can find out when you look on the internet for stuff <laughs> isn't it <laughs> it is another thing that i found out is that and, and i actually looked this up before but i wanted to confirm it for myself that depending on which patents you consider when talking about the MP3 format and which patents you don't consider, it is expected that the MP3 format will be unencumbered by patents sometime between the years 2012 and 2017. So it is my understanding that as early as 2012 or as late as 2017, but no later, MP3 will be completely open and free of patents. Um, unless they change something, right? I mean, because, I mean, in theory, all kinds of stuff was supposed to be, for instance, copyright free, but it keeps getting pushed back. It's, yeah, patent law is one of those weird things, and again, not a lawyer, throwing my hands up, making the, you know, waving the white flag. And yeah, there's no saying that they might do something called, like, submarine patents or slip something in where they make, I guess there's a there's some precedent for making minor changes to a certain codec and then reestablishing a patent that uh, that while different is close enough to the original that you still can't do whatever it is you you couldn't do before. You know, if something like that happens, then you know who knows what's going to go on. But honestly, by 2017, if Og hasn't taken a foothold enough to make MP3 patent free, then I. I think there's a different problem. My feeling is that if like people like you and me are pushing the AUG format, and it's not just you and me, of course, there are lots of people who are doing it. If that push doesn't do something to the major players in the game, the Microsofts, the Googles, and those who use audio codecs more than any of the rest of us, can't see that having a patent-encumbered audio codec is ridiculous at that point because there's at least one and probably lots more by the time 2017 rolls around, then why would anyone bother trying to repatent MP3 at that point? I mean, it, wouldn't it be time to give up, don't you think? I would hope so. Um, I just, I don't know. I, 
I think that these companies really like to have ownership over things. You know, they really like that. Well, I guess that's true. But, I mean, how do you explain companies like Microsoft and, and Apple then releasing free free formats like AAC and, and uh, WMA? I guess WMA is technically a free format, but everything that gets released in it is DRM encoded. You know, lots of companies and big, you know, 800-pound gorilla-type companies are releasing free things, particularly Google. Um, they, yeah. they There's lots of talk about, like, the VP8 video codec and HTML5 for wiping out Flash and, and all of these things. Um, I, I would say the trend is away from patentable things like MP3, but then, you know, there's also SCO. So, I mean, I, I don't know. I hesitate to to really form uh, too much of an opinion on these things because I know that I, I live in my little free software bubble. And to me, everything's looking bright and sunny and everyone's seeing how great free software is. But I don't know if that's necessarily true all the time. Yeah, and it probably isn't. There's probably way more to the story than I can be even begin to understand. And something will happen. And then, you know, by 2015, all audio codecs will be patent encumbered and royalty required. And the whole world will just go straight down the shitter and, you know... <laughs> uh, who knows? But anyway, a few more bits of information about the AUG format. Every every site that I looked up that talked about AUG format said it's allegedly, allegedly patent-free, which means that ziff.org and the developers claim that it's patent-free, but who knows? You know, there are the SCO types. You might pop up someday and say, you know, these 36 lines of code are stolen directly from the Linux kernel or whatever, and, uh, <laughs> you know... They, they may be some patent associated with it. You never can tell how these things are going to go. Right, right. Um, the, I guess the codec itself and the the applications that use it are under the BSD license. Now, as, um, as we talk about open source a lot, we reference the GPL. But the GPL is only one of literally dozens or more open source licenses. Um, there's the Apache license. There's, you know, there's all kinds of licenses. Uh, interestingly, the BSD license, to my mind, is one of the most open licenses there is. There, there are a lot of restrictions in the GPL. There are basically no restrictions in the BSD license. I have, I'm going to pu- publish a copy of the BSD license in the show notes because it's so short, sweet, and to the point. But it basically says, as long as you include you know, the source code for whatever it is you're doing, and you don't modify the copyright notice, like the year and copyright holder uh, in the associated documentation, you can take the code and do any damn thing you like with it. Yeah. I, and you walk away and never talk to the developer again. Right, exactly. I mean, this is the most free license that I'm aware of. It basically says you can take this code, do anything you like, as long as you say where you got it from. Yeah, it's almost it's almost next to public domain. I mean, it's like it's that it just it's just like here, have it. Yeah, I, I mean, um, I've actually released some scripts that I've written up under the BSD license just because it's like, okay, I wrote this thirty-seven line script that does this one specific thing, and you know, if somebody else wants to use this thing, hey, go for it. I mean, I don't see point of encumbering it with the GPL. It's like just take the code, do whatever the hell you want with it. Yeah, well, some of the Slack bills. Um, that that I've done and, and that 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 are done for Slackware. They tell you don't 
licenses as GPL because you you have to include the whole GPL. And sometimes the GPL text would be longer than your black build script, you know? So it just it just doesn't literally doesn't pay in terms of how many bytes your download is to actually license it as GPL. Right, exactly. So anyway, um if you're interested in that, go ahead and check out the show notes and look at the text of the BSD license uh, for anybody who's interested in legal issues that might be something, you know, somewhat amusing. There's a couple other notes I had written down here about this issue. They're probably a little out of order, but I should get them in anyway. According to my research, and as far as the United States are concerned, there are over 150,000 applicable software patents. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> So how anyone can navigate this minefield of patents is beyond me at this point. There are a couple of interesting uh, phenomena that exist regarding patents. The first one is um, royalty-free patents, which we've already talked about. There are some software out there, like the AAC format and some other stuff, that have patents associated with them, but they are royalty-free. So essentially, it doesn't matter to the end user that they're patented because it doesn't require any money outlay to use them. They're just the original creators trying to retain their patent rights, but they're not enforcing monetary gain, which is, you know, that's an okay thing. I guess you have to take a particular stand on patents at that point to decide whether you want to use those technologies or not. You know, if a software is patentable, but it doesn't cost you anything to use it, is that still okay? So let me ask you, is that still okay? Oh man, you're way over my head at this point. I, I mean, patents. I really don't understand. I don't know anything about them. I, I would probably. Well, it's not. Let me let me put it this way. I'll 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 break it down for you. It's it's obviously not okay for you in terms of MP3. I mean, MP3 for for non-commercial use is patented, but not. It it has no royalties associated with it. Right. And and right. for you, that's not okay. But if it were something else that were similarly patented but not royalty-encumbered, would that be okay for you? I mean, it, does it just depend on what it is or, or what? No, I think I think I probably would, would try to avoid whatever that was. I mean, I know, that, I know that AAC has certain restrictions on whether you can develop it and stuff like that. I don't know if that's the patents that you're talking about or not. But, I mean, I certainly don't release my AugaCast in AAC, and, and that's, that's really one of the reasons, because it's not a completely open, free software codec. So, yeah, I guess it wouldn't be okay with me. Okay, so you're... Although I reserve the right to completely contradict myself at a later time. <laughs> well, you may be unwittingly contradicting yourself, if only because you just don't happen to know that a particular piece of something that you're using has a patent associated sure. with it. and yeah, si sure. Right, and simply by virtue of the fact that it doesn't cost you any money to use it, whether or not there's a patent may be the furthest thing from your mind. And in a lot of cases, that may be something that trips people up because those kind of things can turn around in the future. It's like you're using something that's got a patent on it, but no one's been trying to enforce anything about it. But then all of a sudden they decide, ah, well, you know, we've got all these people hooked on X technology, and now X technology is going to cost everybody $1,000 to use. Well, that, yeah. you know, go ahead. Uh, no, I was just agreeing with you. I mean, I I think that's one of the latent uh, fears that I have over all this stuff is is that at some point I'm going to have you know all this data amassed in, in some format or something or dependent upon some technology, and someone's going to come up and say, "Oh, we own that, by the way." Yeah, I see, I, I think uh, 
your stance is probably the best stance. It's, it's kind of a purist stance, but it makes the most sense. Where ultimately, if you're going to deal with patents, ultimately you shouldn't deal with patents, basically, because that, that kind of thing can happen. Because somebody has an ownership, an explicit ownership of a piece of technology, if they happen to decide to want to enforce it, uh, they can certainly do so at any time. So anybody who releases something that is ostensibly patent-free, you never have to worry about that. Yeah, exactly. Okay, well, that makes a lot of sense. And then there's one last thing I wanted to just throw out there for people who uh, might be interested in the legalese of all of this, um, and that's the concept of the patent trolls. This is a few thing. This is something I've heard, you know, from a few people and at various conferences and so on. The the idea of a patent troll is basically companies that exist to do nothing but buy or create patents on technologies specifically for financial gains, so that at some point in the future when somebody discovers some technology that happens to infringe on one of their patents, they can they exist to basically sue that entity uh, and recover revenue for the patents that they own. Got it. So evil. That is just ridiculous. Yeah, it is ridiculous. And interestingly enough, there's a company called Intellectual Ventures, which is one of these patent trolls. They They do nothing except to, as I understand it, they do nothing but exist to buy and create patents on software. And they are not owned by, but funded by companies like Apple, Microsoft, and Google. Now, if I'm wrong about that, someone had best tell me because, <laughs> but that's, that's the way I've, I've seen it written on the, on the intertubes, you know, um, there's another company that's an independent company that does the same thing. They're called Acacia Technologies. Interestingly, there's another company out there called the Open Innovation Network. Are you familiar with them? I certainly am. Okay, well, the Open Innovation Network, as I understand it, is an anti-patent troll troll. Right, yeah. They do exactly what the patent trolls do. However, they do it with the idea that whatever patents they come across or whatever patents they obtain, whether they create them or buy them from somebody who owns them, their purpose is to uh, open source them, open source those patents, to basically remove those patent restrictions once they are in control of them. They, it, it, it's interestingly, it's a, it's a white hat way of doing exactly what the, you know, the opposition does. Yeah, yeah. I, I really like that. Um, I'm not sure how successful they're being. Although they're still out there, and I know they're at just about every conference I've been to lately, and they talk about what they do a lot, so I kind of gather they're having some success. Um, I don't know what patents they've acquired, but you're certainly willing, you know, you're certainly welcome to go out and check out the Open Innovation Network and see what patents they've acquired. But basically, you know, if if they own a patent, it's a patent that you, as an end user, need not worry about because that's what their purpose is. They're trying to get the patents away from the black hat guys and put them out there so that we need not worry uh, about software patents. Oh, and by the way, regardless of independent patents, if uh, software patent issues come up, these things come up for a vote in your particular part of the world, whatever it is, vote them down. That's all I have to say. <laughs> I mean, just right. yeah. If 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 some if in some way you can affect software patenting the issue of software patents by saying no to it, please do so. I don't know what um, relationship Red Hat has with the Open Innovation Network, but I know that certainly Red Hat does. Anytime they get a patent or create something or whatever, 
they do patent it, and then they do a similar thing with that as Open Innovation Network. I mean, they they hold on to that patent, basically saying we're not going to ever, you know, enforce it or anything like that. But um, we have it, and we're not going to let you know the bad guys have that patent. Well, that's a great thing to hear. Uh, I mean, I appreciate them for that, and I know they do a lot of work in open source uh, in general. And if anybody's been listening to podcasts recently and heard about the GNOME survey, there's been some interesting statistics come out about uh, Red Hat and canonical and open source development, so you might want to check that out. I don't want to give away any spoilers here, but um, props to Red Hat for putting out patents or obtaining patents and keeping them away from the the end user. We We need more companies like that. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I think I've gone through my whole list here, and I think we've um, I think I've done a lot more talking than you have. So I kind of apologize for that. I didn't. Uh, I probably didn't let well, you have your piece, but <laughs> no, 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 not at all. It sounds like you did a lot of research. I found it very, very educational and very thought provoking. So I actually liked it. All right. Well, I appreciate that. Uh, as far as the debate goes, or as far as patents, non patents, MP3 or AUG or any of those other things go, um, do you have anything you'd like to conclude with? And if not, go ahead and uh, give us, you know, any information about yourself and your podcast and so on that you'd like to pimp. Okay, yeah. So um, I don't really have anything to to say, like closing remarks. I, I like I said, I found your research very interesting uh, and the 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 talk very thought provoking, and I hope a lot of the listeners did too. And it's funny how when you're not using free software, you really don't even ever think about this sort of thing. It's not until you delve into like the free stuff that you suddenly have to start thinking about this weird legal stuff or you start to anyway but anyway I can be found at the, the badapples.info uh, that's where my AUG cast is and I release an AUG and speaks so check it out alright well thank you very much uh, Claude for being here um, and for being the world's most podcasted individual <laughs> thanks <laughs> And thank you to everybody for listening to the QSK Netcast Volume 2. I do appreciate everyone who tuned in. Please go ahead and let everyone know about us if you can. Our website is QSKNet, or QSKCast.info. Lots of information over there. We happen to be a member of the Ogcast Planet site, ogcastplanet.org. We're a member of that network. We're a member of the Black Sparrow Media Network at blacksparrowmedia.com and also of the Fusion Podcast Network. That's fusionpodcastnetwork.com slash WordPress, and that's Fusion with a Z. So we're trying to get the word out there. Thanks, everybody. If you have some commentary that you'd like to send me about the MP3 versus AUG or patent issues, go ahead and call our number at 417-200-4811. Leave a message there, or just send a message to info at qskcast.info. Thanks very much for listening. Thanks very much, Clotty, for stopping by, and we'll catch you all next time.
HPR is sponsored by caro.net, so head on over to caro.net for all your hosting needs.